It's the Geeky Waffle Podcast. 25 years ago, The Hunchback of Notre Dame came to theaters. I'm Candace, and with me is Arzu. Hello. And our special guest, Alice. Hello. So, June 21st, 1996, this Disney movie <laughs> came out. And do you both remember seeing this as a kid? Yes. Vividly. Yeah. Fond memories of this. Oh, yeah. I think it was the first movie I saw more than once in theaters. I made my mother drag wow. me to the theaters, I think, six times total to see it. At least once in a drive-in. <laughs> so I bet kids these days don't you, even know what that is. <laughs> you got a full experience. Well, nowadays with people trying different things to get people to go to the movies, drive-ins are coming back. That's true. I love that for them. Yeah. I remember going to like this like county event, like it was like something in the park and Disney had sent a van of like people dressed up as the characters. This was like a month before the movie came out. So like I'm meeting Esmeralda and Chopin and Phoebus before the movie even comes out. I got my autograph book. I'm like, sign it, please. I don't know who you are. <laughs> Man, that's cool. I have yeah, better like memories Disney. of the marketing of this movie than I do of actually seeing it in theaters. Like, I must have. But I remember the marketing a lot better than I remember the theater experience. So this movie is dark, but the marketing is <laughs> <I'm> so happy. <laughs> it was like a McDonald's to, like Happy Meal toy. And it's like, oh, I can be Quasimodo and, you know, play with my friends. And it's like all happy and like Quasimodo's like being tortured. I have all of those Happy Meal toys in a bag in my basement as we speak. Aww. Oh, my God. Like, I still have them. I'm very attached. No, I definitely have Esmeralda somewhere. Um, and I Is have the Esmeralda the little Barbie wheels? because, of course, I do. Yes, she's got little wheels because she's – yeah, she, like, so like, she can, like spins dance when she dances. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cute. And I definitely have her Barbie in my mm -hmm. closet, like, right now. I was – I had her out the other day to play with my niece. Um yeah, the marketing definitely, it was like, hey, look at um, sweet Cosimoto and his cute little face and the funny gargoyle friends and uh, and this hilarious goat. Like, <laughs> isn't, isn't this fun? Don't worry, yeah, kids. Your Catholic trauma will not be triggered by this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a picture book about how Esmeralda met her goat. Aww. And it's all happy and they're like, oh, we're best friends now and stuff like that. And I'm like, she's gonna nearly die of fire <laughs> like <laughs> any minute alive for witchcraft <laughs> yes yeah i don't see how so, i don't see the problem here guys <laughs> so this Brilliant. is based on the the victor hugo novel and i was just thinking like what if like disney like did a lameness version i would i would see it i'd go i'd go to there i would go watch sure. lameness by disney the source material is absolutely inappropriate, Com like completely not. It's so it's like so sad. <laughs> they changed so, a lot. It's not it's not like a natural, like organic decision for Disney to turn this into a, a movie, I don't think. Yeah. So like, I remember like the first few minutes, Frollo kills Quasimodo's mother mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by kicking her and causing her to hit her head on the step of the church. And there's blood, too. And Frollo is about to, like, throw baby Quasimodo down a freaking well. <laughs> yeah. That stays with you. Oh, yeah. There's no steps in front of the church. 
I don't know what he what? kicked her down. Like in yeah, real life. In real life. There's oh, no okay. steps like, in front of the shirt. <laughs> maybe back in the 1400s there were. Maybe. You don't know. I remember going the first time twist. being like, there's no stairs here. What did yeah, he it, kick her down? <laughs> I had this exact same thought. <laughs> that and the fact that he's gone all the way to a well to drop him. I'm like, but there's a river on either side of you. There's a river, like so close. It's so close by. <laughs> and also, like, I was like, like stupid, but yeah, yeah. I was like, also the well, like you're gonna poison all the town people. I'm like, of course he's gonna kill a baby, so it's okay. This is yeah, he has no just problem. Kicked a lady that. down the stairs. He doesn't care. Oh, we yeah. found out in the trivia, Frollo's horse is named Snowball. Well, that's precious. Yeah, that's the horse that he uses to murder a woman. Deeply psychotic <laughs> to name a demonic horse Snowball. For yes, sure. It I like definitely it. has like red eyes, right? Like yeah, it's yeah, terrifying, yeah. a terrifying horse. It's like that horse at the, at the Denver airport. Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's his horse. <laughs> Absolutely. A hell demon. Okay. And he gets stopped. I forget – was it a deacon or archdeacon? Archdeacon. archdeacon. And he's like, You murdered her. And he's like, She fled. I pursued. I'm guiltless. And I was like, That hits way too close to home right now. Oh, yeah. And I do not appreciate that, Disney. It's, yeah. And Frollo was a religious figure, but they changed it to make the Catholic people not mad. <laughs> yeah, he becomes a judge. <laughs> yeah, he's Judge Frollo. But honestly, there's so much religious imagery in this. Yes. Including Frollo just being a religious man. Oh, yeah. A deeply, quote, pious man. No, my um, my Catholic family loves this movie a really? lot. Like a lot, a lot. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's just, just me and my mother. But I definitely, like my grandmother came to see it with us. We used to... Go Disneyland used to have a show, like a like a musical, like a stage musical. Disney World did too, and we had Hollywood Studios demand visiting it. And so I know my grandma came to see it with me, and she was deeply Catholic, and everybody was into it. Everybody vibed with it. I think it's the like the like endless Kyrie chants and the like Mm. how beautiful the the cathedral is animated. I think that there was a the difference, and it's I guess probably what like why they changed Frollo to be not a uh, not a religious figure because I think that d- that really did help if he had been like a like a bishop or something I think that my family I would not have been allowed to watch the movie probably I don't think that changing him from a religious figure to a judge is a Disney thing I think some of the older movies had done that first probably for the same reason yeah no. I don't think I don't think Disney was the first one to do that because people have been altering it since like the adaptations prior to this aren't straight adaptations yeah. of the novel so that's true I think it, I, it's for, been, for the same reason like to not upset catholic people like i think it changed sooner <laughs> than this I, mm-hmm. it's been many years since i've seen the silent film version um but i think you're the right I, now that i'm thinking about it i don't think he was um i don't think he was a member of the priesthood i can't even remember what like position he held in uh in the catholic church but yeah, I think you're right. Good call. Can I note something? Yes. This was rated G. <laughs> what came out of this? That Because you, you told me that this was supposed to be PG-13. It was supposed to be PG. And there was a point where it was way too inappropriate. Like, okay, we're going to Hellfire already. Hellfire. Yes, do it. Hellfire. The most it's the best evil. villain song. It's the it best. It is the best. 
It's the most evil thing. So Frollo is consumed by his lust of Esmeralda, something that I didn't fully understand as a kid. (laughs) So he sees her dancing in the fire. And the MPAA insisted that Disney animators make Esmeralda's clothing more well-defined because she seemed nude in the fire. I totally believe it. I, I can absolutely. <laughs> if there wasn't that one line across her chest, like you, you, I could have been absolutely convinced that she was naked. They they gave her <laughs> fire clothes. They gave her fire clothes, and the, yeah, they kind of made her a little like the. It's the fire, right? So she's not like solid in there, right? She's kind of dancing yeah. around. She's like clearly made of fire, but I could totally see the MPAA being like, "That looks like a boob. Get rid of it." <laughs> <laughs> It was actually nearly cut because it was so dark. The whole song or just that bit? Yeah, the whole song. <gasps> oh, what, that a, been... what a shame that would have been. Oh, yeah. The song is so good. It's so good, especially in contrast to the song right before it, Heaven's Light. They're like perfect contrasting oh. song about the like the dichotomy between light and dark and and how you know, Quasimodo's raised by this horrible person and is still like a perfect angel and how he's not corrupted by that same darkness that has totally taken Frollo. And it's, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. I love it so much. That song is so scary. It is terrifying. And actually that song, the two songs, cause they're intertwined. It kind of explains why Esmeralda go- like chooses Phoebus because like, it's Madonna horror complex, the way that Quasimodo sees her and the way that Frollo sees her. And she lands somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yes, she's like a she person. lands somewhere in the middle. And Phoebus sees her as a spicy woman and as a person, too. Can, can I just and- say, something I appreciate is that, you know, Quasimodo's got this whole putting her on a pedestal thing and then Frollo is, like, consumed by his lust and it's making him angry and murderous. But... It would be so easy for them to draw the line that, like, desire of that kind is immoral and wrong and dirty. But they don't do that because Phoebus makes it extremely clear that he's interested right away. And that plot line is seen through because it's not him putting her on a pedestal and it's not him wanting to, like, possess her. It's just desire. It's want. And it's reciprocated. Yeah, so that's they, like they have a very you know, steamy makeout scene. Like, <laughs> like damn, yeah, they literally make out. <laughs> it's he's like close to death, and she's like, "Let's make out." So <laughs> I just I appreciate that they did not I, take the easy way out with that either. That's a really good point, and I appreciate that you said that. It's something something that I like love about this movie is how. Not I want to use the word mature, but not in a oh it's so grown up like oh or they're or they're <laughs> tackling mature themes you know but I mean like the attitude behind the the characters and the way they address each other and the way that they grow to respect each other and everybody is just it's mature in that kind of thinking for an for you know a ninety minute Disney animated film the characters grow and change a lot. And you see the face of actual evil and you see all of the the way that, that these characters interact and like deal with that evil or deal with injustice and deal with inequality in, in like such a mature manner. It doesn't talk down to the, I mean, we could talk about the gargoyles later, but it's not like, yeah. it's not condescending to children. It's not like bending over backwards to try and make things easy to digest. Like, it's 
it's dark, but that's because life sometimes is. And I just really, I just something I really appreciate about the movie. No, you completely agree. It doesn't talk down to kids. It It's like, you're going to get this. This is a dark time. This is a dark story. But yeah, so many things happen in this movie that I'm like, how is this like, again, a G-rated movie? Like Frollo's <laughs> lust is like a huge theme in the entire thing. Quasimodo and Phoebus almost get hung. They're setting all of Paris on fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, and violence yeah. in a kid's movie has never altered the rating. No, no. I think that's definitely like, violence. Lust, I'm surprised the lust stuff did and that makeout scene alone. But yeah. the makeout scene and when Frollo takes the scarf, like the Esmeralda's scarf, and like sniffs it when he's like behind he her, her and smells too. her hair. Yeah, like that. Whoa. Everything about that is so terrifying. Shocking. She's like, I know what you want. And I was like, oh my God, this like so many layers that I did not get as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Frollo is like the worst villain because he's very realistic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely the kind of person you could bump in for re- like bump into for real. He is a um, sometimes a meetable character at Disneyland and D- Disney World. And I said Arzu at least the image of what Frollo looks like. I don't like it. Like. I don't oh, like no. it. And I found one photo of like a woman meeting him on Tumblr and he sniffs her hair. Ooh. Oh no. Why is this a meeting Greek character? No. No. I'll add a link to that. <laughs> Dislike. Dislike. <laughs> Do not so- approve. <laughs> Yeah. So in the original novel, Esmeralda, Quasimodo, they all die (laughs) at the end. And the filmmakers briefly considered having Quasimodo killed off. Oh. Yeah. He was originally going to be stabbed by Frollo. And then Esmeralda regains consciousness and tries to save him by killing Frollo. So she kills him, Frollo. Damn, okay. Uh, Quasimodo's last wish was to ring the bells one last time. They take him to the bells, Phoebus and Esmeralda, and help him ring the bells as he dies. The final shot was going to include Esmeralda and Phoebus crying over their best friend, which I don't know if they're best friends yet. I mean, they're friends. We've known each other for 48 hours. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> as the people of Paris cheer for their success, unaware of Quasimodo's death. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that would mean we wouldn't get Hunchback of Notre Dame too. So that's good. Oh, but at what cost? But God, at what cost? <laughs> Yeah, everybody lived, and now, now we have now we have a sequel. Oh no! See, like I don't know, I don't know. I'm really torn now. We could <laughs> we could just pretend the sequel doesn't exist. I I do that on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> like the artwork and music is so beautiful in this film. It's outrageous. It feels it feels just like the sequel is such an insult. Yeah. It's really it, it really is striking. I mean the the different I mean character designs and and like you know cheap animation aside the what something that made the the first movie so charming and so beautiful um was the treatment of the cathedral like as a character in the yeah. story um that the the she seems to you know sing like 
like in the, at the very end when the, the bonfire is raging in the square and they're trying to break in and get Esmeralda and, and the bells just kind of shake a little bit and let out like a low level hum over the whole scene. And um, like the, the, the way that the eyes watch Frollo at the beginning, like that, like the cathedral is a character. Like she, he's the hunchback in Notre Dame for a reason. Like Notre Dame is a like what makes the story so like, he could be the hunchback of any church. <laughs> he could be, he, he could be even not in a church, you know, like, but the, 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 yeah. the cathedral is so iconic and so beautiful and treated with such reverence in the, in the movie painstakingly animated down to every, like every stone, every candelabra and the pieces of those stained glass windows are outrageous. I think about it all the time about how beautiful the stained glass is during god help the outcasts Mm -hmm. oh my god that's that music number is still gives me chills yeah it's a perfect it's a perfect song (laughs) um but like like that and that adds i think it's it's dark like it's it's this looming like gothic cathedral with all these like terrifying parapets and you know all of this all of the stone and, and like it adds to the, like gloominess and the like um like the reverence of the of the story um all of the echoes when people speak and stuff like that and yeah the sequel just throws it away are they even ever in the cathedral in the sequel like at at any point just don't They're understand in Quasimodo's room yeah like but... like for like a minute <laughs> yeah yeah really... the whole thing is about one of the bells that is covered in yeah diamonds Stones on or the something. inside so yeah you can't ring at all Mm-hmm. It should, yeah, shouldn't be able to make noise. Um, Makes a it's a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> it's a metaphor. Um, yeah, I just I think that it, it's really important the 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 churchiness of it all and the the deep deep Catholic guilt of it all is really important to the story. Um, I just oh, I just love it so much, you guys. Oh, speaking of love, Alan Menken. Disney legend says the opening number, the bells of Notre Dame is the best opening number he has ever written. He loves that. I'm inclined to agree. It gives me chills. Like the chorus, like singing as you like go over Paris and yeah. It's just the whole score is just flawless. Like I listen to it while I'm working. Like, not even it's so good it's absolutely gorgeous i think it's it's among alan macon's best work for sure yeah um a a man with so many genius pieces like how how do you choose but the um yeah the score of this movie the opening scene is incredible it's absolutely beautiful the the whole prologue how he sets it up as a as a story that he's telling with puppets but it's actually real it's I don't know. It's it's so good. Yeah, and I appreciate how there's bookends with that because if you go to like Aladdin with the with the um the shopkeeper. What is it? The yeah, with the shopkeeper, he injures it, but he never comes back. No, because it comes like, at the end of the third one. The whole thing was the story he was telling. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Oh, ours you just blew my mind. Okay. So yeah, this movie is super dark. But 
Let's talk about the gargoyles because I feel like they were like, oh no, children will be traumatized. No, it's absolutely absolutely a good call to put those gargoyles there because now as an adult, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of stupid. But as a kid, like, that's what you latch on to. Like, that was the funny bit you were quoting all the time, right? Like, as a six year old. Yeah. Yeah. They had fart jokes. They had, you know, cut the cheese. (laughs) Yeah. They had goofiness. At one point, Hugo chews up a bunch of coal and spits it out like bullets out of his mouth, which is hilarious. Um, and Okay, yeah. so this is my question. Are the gargoyles real? Like, they're are real they to just... Quasimodo. Okay, but they interact no, with stuff. They're totally they're, real. They're real because the, the goat sees them too. Okay. Yeah, Jolly the goat definitely yeah. sees Hugo moving. Um, his little crush on Jolly the goat is a little little sus but yeah yeah i don't uh, like that not not super cute but no yeah jolly sees them move and they move they get they like change places a lot they don't freeze in the same spot unless quasimodo is picking them up and moving them around to have conversations just, with them the I idea of a guy like real. you happening while quasimodo is just lugging these gargoyles back and forth <laughs> across the floor <laughs> seem to well, be I'm just thinking like they make a catapult like you were saying like hugo spits out like bullets of stone and Laverne like does a Wizard of Oz reference with the birds. Mm-hmm. Felt so smart as a kid for getting that. Oh yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, I've seen Wizard of Oz. I understand, I understand that. that. <laughs> and then much older realizing that two of the gargoyles are named Victor and Hugo. Yeah. After the yeah, and then yeah. you know, when you first realize that the that it's a based off of a book. And you go, whoa, yeah. <laughs> I'm so smart. Whoa, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the gargoyles are, I mean, a guy like you is definitely a, a weak point in the soundtrack. Not not a not a super great number. It doesn't really add a lot to the story. It's just fun for the it's kids. It's just a I breather think. before things get really intense. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And sometimes you just need that and yeah. in a kid's movie. And yeah, the, la- the most recent time I watched it, I was a little... I was a little puzzled. I was like, I remember them being less goofy. Like, I, I don't, I remember them being more like integral to the story, but, but they're so cute. Like they're, they're precious. Yeah. So there's like a Broadway, not a Broadway version, but there's a musical version of Hunchback. It was very popular in Germany and they workshopped it here, but it's with the Hunchback of Notre Dame, the movie music, but it's based on the Victor Hugo play, uh, novel. So the gargoyles are not in that. And I do not believe that song, <laughs> a guy like you, is either. No, no, it's not. Actually, if you get a chance to listen to the soundtrack, I think it's on Spotify. It's okay, super cool. good. It's really, really well done. It's like a bigger, like richer version of the score with the full, you know, the full orchestra. And, and everybody on the soundtrack is just so freaking talented. There was a production of it. I think it was like Fifth Avenue Theater put on a production of it. I don't know if it's like an off-Broadway or a workshop version or just a regional production, but they did it with a deaf Quasimodo. Yes. Oh. I don't know if you've ever seen clips of this anywhere, but I watch it a lot. As many clips as I could find where they've got a deaf Quasimodo who signs all of his dialogue and he's got a hearing actor that stands with him and they sh- and sings for him and they share like the part, but it's the deaf actor that is dressed as Quasimodo is Quasimodo. And the hearing actor who 
sometimes they'll sign together as choreography and he'll do all of the singing and stuff. And it's an outrageously beautiful production. It adds such like an extra level of uh, like intensity to the character of Quasimodo and all that he goes through. It's absolutely wonderful. 10 out of 10. Do recommend. Yeah. Cause like in the book, he's death uh, because like he's like ringing those bells and they're so loud. He yeah. grew up, you know, he lost his hearing. So yeah, that's, it's amazing. It's really beautiful. Maybe I'll tweet some clips out later. Yeah. Please cool. go, to, go to my Please Twitter do. and find, find video of it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is when I let Arzu go crazy. <clears throat> <laughs> Her time has come. Beautiful moment from Alice. I'm about to get ridiculous. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm here for it. Okay. Okay. Back Go in January, I tweeted my assessment that the character of Phoebus and the character of Ben Solo are the same person. Candace does <laughs> ben not Solo agree. Ben Solo from Star Wars. Ben Solo from Star Wars. My the only thing I talk about. Oh, oh, that Ben Solo. Got it. <laughs> yeah. That they are. That they are the same person. And. Candace does not agree. Even up to last night, Candace is like, I don't believe you. And I'm like, but it's true. And I would like everybody now to hear me out. So first of all, hella hot and look sexy with a sword. It's just yes. objectively true. They work with a creepy old man until they have a change of heart and decide to peace out. They have an extremely steamy makeout session with their lady love, who also mm-hmm. happens to heal them after they get stabbed. True. And most importantly, spend the entire third act of their story in an oversized shirt with a hole in it. It's details <laughs> like this that make me think it was a deliberate choice. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> so Esmeralda didn't stab him, though. She didn't stab him. But she tried. Yeah, she definitely tried. She tried a couple times. Oh, oh yeah, my they God. Do you mentioned s- that? They yeah, a, super like, cute duel. Bantery duel. Mm-hmm. where she's like, I'm going to stab you in the face. And he's like, oh my God, I'm in love. So it's like golden prince falls in love with like a feral child. <laughs> like, like Ray, Ray's a feral child, right? Like she's straight like, up a hundred percent feral. Like Esmeralda is less feral, like, but she's definitely like wild and, and like ready to throw down at any second. I get it. I she's see an it. outcast. So is Ray. Definitely. And, then this golden man, this golden guy from all this privilege is like, oh, my God, this is my wife. And like, <laughs> oh, my God. Only the, the main difference is only one of them makes it out in the end. No. And shockingly, it's not the one from the generation spanning fairy tale for children. It's the one from the Victor Hugo book. So go figure how that works. <laughs> this you, has Candace. been an Arzu moment. <laughs> This has been Kylo Corner. I appreciate this about about you. I do appreciate how often things come around to being about Ben Solo. So I've developed a reputation for this, but here's the thing. I actually haven't done this a lot recently. A lot of people will do it for me. It's it's only been been a month. month. It's been more than a month. And then people (laughs) will do it for me and be like, see Arzu, I can do it too. And I'm like, but I didn't say anything. And I'm like, you know what? It's spreading is what I'm getting from this. It's spreading. It's infectious. You absolutely have the right. You have the right. You have the right and you're in the right to bring him up as often as possible. Thank you, Alice. I knew you would agree with me. <laughs> yeah. Ours is like, just wait till Alice hears this. Alice is going to be on my side, Candace. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm just There's happy to be them. here. I'm just happy to be here and talking about Ben Solo. Surprise. <laughs>
I'm just happy to be here talking about my favorite Disney movie. It is my it is my absolute favorite and has been, I think, since the the minute it came out. I was at a perfect age. I had an Esmeralda nightgown that I would wear to bed. My mom has a home video of me um, uh, watching the movie. She like came in with the video camera and I was watching the movie and it was at the dance scene and I was standing up in the middle of my room trying to dance the routine. Uh, could not do any kind of flip or split at even a little bit. I was fully six years old, but I had the VHS tape in my little itty bitty TV in the corner. And I'm trying to, in my nightgown, trying to dance around being Esmeralda. I had, I had all the toys, all the t-shirts, everything that I can get my little hands on because this movie just rules so hard. It's, it's, it's well-made. The music is perfect. The characters are well-developed. Quasimodo is so cute. He is so precious. I don't even know what to do with him. Like, I just want to, I just want to keep him in my pocket, carry him around. I just, yeah. I can't He's believe how boy. long it's been since that movie came out. I can't believe it's been 20, 30, 25, 25 years. 25 years. I just tried to math in my head really hard. I was like, how old am I? <laughs> I'm 30. So it's like I try to forget. <laughs> I was like, how long? No, this movie isn't as old as I am. Uh, the 90s were 10 years ago. I can't I can't believe it's already been 25 years since this movie came out. I it's I wow. Wow. Yeah. It's it makes you feel your age, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Candace. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I've been doing all these things for. It's like, hey guys, guess what? We're old. <laughs> I'm okay with being yeah. old. I vividly remember seeing The Hunchback of Notre Dame. A musical adventure is what they called it at MGM, which is now <laughs> Hollywood Studios. And yeah, I saw that. They, yeah, they had the one at Disneyland called The Hunchback of Notre Dame Festival Fools. Yes. And yes. So there were puppets and everything. <laughs> it, was, it, was, there, it was a lot. It was a lot. I dragged my – we had passes. We lived like 20 minutes from Disneyland. We had passes from uh, from infancy. Um, I dragged – every single time that we were at Disneyland, I dragged my parents. I, we were like, we have to see at least one of these performances, if not all of them. Watched it uh, – I've seen – saw that show a hundred times. We would always – and they had that section in the front where kids could sit closer to the stage – yeah. and I would run up there and sit in the front, and when it came time to dance – you know, dance La Esmeralda dance. And then like, they would let all the kids stand up and dance along. Um, or just, just like, you know, get the wiggles out. Right. And my yeah. parents loved that because I'm sitting there dancing and sweating and, and wearing myself out. And they're like, Oh good. Maybe we can leave early. <laughs> <laughs> we don't Did have to work? stay to the fireworks if she's asleep. <laughs> Yeah, I did that with my parents with the Beauty and the Beast MGM show. My dad took me for my fifth birthday Aww. to MGM. It was just me and him. And he's like, you can do whatever you want. And I was like, we shall see the Beauty and the Beast show six times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Yeah, I miss things. Doing things. Just doing things. I miss when Disney used to market Hunchback Notre Dame. That was really nice. I wish they would do that more. Wish oh, I would just like to add the Disney MGM version did not have Hellfire in it. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they did have a furlough. I'm trying to remember if the Disneyland version did. 
It doesn't say. It says. I don't think it did. Or if it did, it was only a couple of lines. Like Frollo just comes out and is like, she will be mine. And then like walked off. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think they did the whole number to the best of my memory. God, could you imagine? Oh, it's so scary. <laughs> just all the kids in the front row going, oh, shit. It's a little less scary, though, on, like, a 100-degree day in the middle of Southern California, like, in an open-air theater. Like, mm-hmm. it was not indoors, so it probably would have been less impactful. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you all would like to add about this fantastic movie? Watch Should it we- again if you haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Not. Should we talk about some of the, like, more problematic elements of it? Yeah. You wanna, do you want to like- talk about the word gypsy? It's used repeatedly. The G, the G word. Should we call it the G the word? The G word. So people know yeah. what we're talking about? Yeah. yeah. It, they use it a lot. Probably the most used word in the entire in the entire movie. I mean, I feel like it. it's one of those things where it wasn't cool then, it's not cool now, but the conversation around it not being okay to use was not as widespread. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I definitely didn't realize... That it was, I think it was in my twenties by the time somebody was like, "Like, hey, we shouldn't say that." And I was like, "What?" It was oh a my couple goodness. years ago for me. It was very recent. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, like, you grow up with something. I'm like, this is oh, but they used it in a Disney movie repeatedly, and it was in the nineties. I'm not talking about like the sixties or the forties. So you're like, it was in a Disney movie. It must be okay. And then you find out, and you're like, oh no. There are still like communities of people that will use it and like self-identify with the word. But it's like it's like a reclaiming of their, you know, their word. They can say it. I, you know, yeah. we can't say it. So you'll still see it and hear it around. There's like there's reality TV shows based around communities of Romani people that that use the word freely. And so it's like out there in the world still being used. It's difficult sometimes to remember and, and to, to be conscious about it. But it's like really important because it's not, you know, it's not a good word is not a nice word yeah i mean heck there's people who are named it as a first name mm-hmm. which i always found weird mm-hmm. people name their do. kids weird things what wonder what they do did they go change it probably i'm just thinking out loud now they probably go change oh, another- it un- unless they just don't care which is That's like yeah. ew <laughs> another thing about like i didn't realize until this was pointed out is like at the beginning, you see the Romani people entering Paris with baby Quasimodo. And, like, the family and Quasimodo do not look alike, like skin color or anything. Nope. No, they do and not. So in the 15th and 16th centuries, deformed babies were seen as a curse or a mistake of nature. So when those babies would be left in the woods to be reclaimed by nature. So Romani people were in the forest during this time and maybe, like, found him. So oh. like, so it's heavily implied that the couple were not Quasimodo's birth parents, but were in fact, like, they found him and adopted him. Oh. I always just thought it was because like, Disney was afraid to make their lead character, lead male darker. character, dark skin. Yeah. That's what I thought. But I, yeah, I but like no, this theory. Yeah. It just makes it even, like, more tragic. Like, Quasimodo's mother was, like, a really good person. Like, she didn't care that the baby saw a baby in danger and was like, I'm adopting him. I used to rationalize it as like, okay, well, he doesn't go outside ever, so his skin never got darker. Sure. But <laughs> as an adult now, realizing that I spent the better part of a year inside and somehow still managed to tan, 
like that's he's not, also that's not how that works. <laughs> he's also redhead head. He's also a redhead too. Definitely, definitely. So, a, I wasn't thinking that far ahead at six, as it is the fact that I was considering this at all at six. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. no, I like that idea. I like that idea. I wish it had been more clear and like would have shown like like Quasi's mom in, yeah, in like a really compassionate, like already a very compassionate, very tragic figure whose name we never learn. No, she's um, willing to die for her child. Is that actually like, what happened or is this just a fan theory? I don't know. There's no like definite. It's, it's not like in the movie at all. But I like, mean, I love you, this theory and I'm accepting it now as canon, but. If you think about the historical aspect of it and you think about like what Quasimodo looks like, skin, hair wise, and what his parents look like. It's interesting it that, makes they didn't, sense. that they didn't play that up at all. Like on Frollo's end to be like, he's, they stole this baby because he's racist, you know? But he's, but it's a deformed baby. It's a deformed baby, but they still stole a white baby. Hmm. I rescued you from your terrible kidnapper of a mother, right? Like, like you feel like why you would, would say something like that. Yeah. You would, could definitely have played up that angle. Because they didn't want to add one more thing to this man. Yeah. Like, it's too much. At some point, but again, at it, some point, it's like, gosh, we get it. He's evil. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just tried to throw a baby down the well. We get it. He's he singing. killed a woman. <laughs> he's singing. He's not a great guy. Latin and Greek chants in front of a fire. We get it. He's evil. <laughs> But yeah, no, I like that theory and it makes sense with what we see in like the historical aspect of it. Like in the book, Esmeralda is actually a white woman. She is switched at birth with a... Hey, man, I need yeah. to read the book. <laughs> yeah. I don't I didn't I'm know glad, that. glad they changed that because yikes. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> so many yikes. Uh, so for all that it is yeah. yikes, we do love this movie. So yes. Good. It's so good. If you could just get rid of one of the words I keep saying, it would be like a perfect movie. And cast actors who are, you know, appropriate for characters. I just love, I love Tom Hulse's singing voice, like so much. Oh, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's so good. He's got such a powerful vibrato that I just vibe with so hard. I love when he sings. I just, yeah. I love that he did his own singing. It's just, it's, it's really good. And, and oh, it's Tony J does Frollo, right? Yes. Oh, he's so good. Jesus. Everybody's just like it it's a well it's well cast, despite, you know, a Demi Moore yes. you know, being very white and all that. It's the the voice the voice work is so is so beautiful. And I met Jason Alexander when I was six years old, right after this movie <gasps> came out. <laughs> I just remembered this. I was in an episode of Seinfeld. And I got what, to meet what? him. <laughs> I was a little baby child. a baby child actor. <laughs> this is a oh big, big reveal. Yeah, it was a baby child actor. I was in a bunch of like, it wasn't anything big. It was like random episodes of TV shows and lots and lots of commercials until up until I was like, like 11 or 12 when I stopped. And I did an episode of Seinfeld and Jason Alexander was there on set. He was the only one of the like main group on set. And, um, and I told him that I love the movie and he signed an autograph for me and took a picture with me um, because he's a sweetheart. He was super, super nice when that, when my, my auntie took me to the, to the set and said, I was like, do you know who that is? And I was like, no. <laughs> um, and she goes, that's <laughs> the voice of your favorite Hugo on 
uh, on Hunchback. And I freaked out. I got very starstruck, very nervous. And he was very sweet and sat on the couch with me and talked with me for like 10 minutes. Um, oh, wow. Like super nice guy. And I was just, just tickled. Very, I, and I, I talk about that all the time. I still remember, like I was very young. I don't remember a lot else about that day, but I remember that very vividly. That's so cute. Oh, I would love to meet anybody else from the movie. <laughs> yes, you're like, Kevin Klein, call me. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I think that's a good. <laughs> We're finding out more about Alice every episode. I have a very rich past. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, Alice, can you tell people how to find you online? Sure. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and on TikTok at Alice White, THP, which stands for Those Happy Places, which is a podcast that I do with my best friend uh, where we talk about like theme parks and stuff and why they're uh, interesting and worth studying. You can find that at thosehappyplaces.com. Awesome. And you can find Arzu and I at thegeekywaffle.com, geeky underscore waffle on Twitter, the geeky waffle everywhere else. My Twitter is Candace is a geek and Arzu, yours is? Mine is just Arzu Amin. And we are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. <laughs> Thank you. Arzu's so good at reminding, remembering these we things. We just recorded so our just- first Waffles After Dark. Yes. Ooh. A Patreon perk. If you yes, it, if you support, it gets the show. really inappropriate. <laughs> so fast, <laughs> so fast, so fast. We go straight into it. We get syrupy really fast. So yes, thank you, Arzu and Alice, for talking about this movie. Stay geeky. <laughs>